We're going to focus our attention on four people who played important roles in God's plans at that time. Each one of them made a certain kind of sacrifice for the Lord and experienced his closeness through it. That's really what we're going to reflect on today. So if you recall last week, I talked about the Father's sacrifice. God the Father gave so much of himself in sending Jesus to not only live among us, but to die and to give up his life for our sake so that we can be forgiven of our sin. This week we see four people who loved the Lord and made sacrifices of their own for him. And it recalled to me this, this verse that Becky actually shared at the end of our service last week, which is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. And before we get into the, the, the gospel accounts of Jesus coming, I want to just reflect on this passage a little bit. It makes a couple of important points. It's, it talks about this being our true and proper worship. Or in some translations, it's called the spiritual act of worship or an offering pleasing to God. In all of these ways, Paul is emphasizing that we're talking about something that's important to the Lord. And living as a follower of Christ is often about submitting ourselves, submitting our own desires, our own wants to what the Lord wants. And it's important to the Lord that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to him. How often do we really think about offering our bodies as sacrifices to the Lord? We talk a lot about, in our culture these days, about um, transforming our minds we're learning, gaining knowledge, filling our minds with the, with the best teachings, you know, reading the word, exploring the word. And the focus is so much on knowing things well or listening to, to good preaching and good teaching. But life and faith is so much more than just that. And sometimes we talk about offering our hearts to the Lord, expressing our love for him, loving him with all our hearts, communicating our devotion to him. And that's focused on feeling a certain way to the Lord. And both of those things, our minds and our hearts, are an important part of um, living for the Lord, but they're more focused internally and, and personally transformative. That God wants us to take what we know and what we feel about him and put into action with our bodies, to offer our physical being to him for his purposes. And sometimes God calls us to do this in ways we never imagined. And it's not always going to feel good or comfortable. I've learned in my experience that God often calls us to step outside our comfort zone, to do things that we never would have volunteered to do. We wouldn't have come up with our own, things that don't feel like we're very gifted or talented at in order for him to empower us through his spirit, or sometimes even to uncover things that we actually, he has actually gifted us to do, but we have somehow concealed or has laid dormant for other reasons in our lives. And he brings those out by challenging us and calling us to make sacrifices with our bodies for his sake. And we're going to see this kind of sacrifice in our, account, in our biblical account today. 
where these people were called to engage with him and offer themselves in ways that could be hard and unexpected. But no matter what God calls us to, we'll also see how we can be assured of this one thing, that God is there with us. God doesn't just call us to do things and just push us out there and say, go ahead, I'll watch from back here. He goes with us. He provides for us. He takes care of us through it all. And so a big part of this Advent season is remembering God's desire to be with us. Jesus is God with us, the physical and powerful presence of God among us. But God is with us in so many ways. And he was with these four people we'll encounter today throughout their lives, especially in these moments when God called on them to give of themselves for his purposes. So with that in mind, why don't we go ahead and open up to the Gospel of Luke. We'll start in Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 25 to get things started. Get to the right page here. So Luke chapter 1, right at the beginning. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught." In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the, of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, You will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. I'm going to stop right there. 
We read on that his, he did go home and his wife did conceive of a child. So I want to stop and think about Zechariah and Elizabeth for a moment. These were the parents of John the Baptist. John, who was called to be the voice of one calling in the wilderness, preparing the people for the coming of Jesus. He went before Jesus. He called people back to the Lord as the, as the angel told Zechariah he would. He fulfilled this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 40, which says, A voice of one calling in the desert, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He called people's attention to the Lord. He baptized them in the name of the Lord, um, just preparing them to be ready to receive the Messiah. Now, Zechariah had this encounter with an angel of the Lord, something highly unusual in their day. It had been centuries since the last prophet had written anything from the Lord for the people of Israel. And what was exactly Zechariah called to do? He was called to parent a child. He was going to be the father of this child this, who would be used powerfully by God. And you can, you can imagine what a great honor this is. There, there might be some um, apprehension Zechariah could have over this about raising this child in the right way. But just the idea of having a child was too much for Zechariah. He couldn't believe it. His wife has been barren all these years. They're advanced in years. How can this possibly be? And so he expressed this doubt. An angel is standing before him declaring this is going to happen. And he had doubts. And so he bore this consequence that he would not be able to speak until the child was born. And that's when you start to see that Zechariah had to make a sacrifice. He had to go the entire pregnancy without speaking a word. Can you imagine going that long without saying a thing at all? (laughs) Some of us might enjoy that a little bit, (laughs) the thought of it, but some of us, right, realize that that's a long time to not say anything. And as I reflected on that sacrifice that Zechariah had to make to be silent, I thought, what a blessing as well, though. Because so often... We are quick to speak, we are quick to share our thoughts, and we have to slow ourselves down to actually take time to listen to the Lord. How much time do you think Zechariah had during this, this nine months, ten months, however long it was, to just be quiet before the Lord and hear, him, hear from him? God didn't abandon him, and even though Zechariah had doubt and he, had to, he ended up making this sacrifice as a, as a consequence for his own doubt, God was still near to him. God spoke to him. I can imagine the richness of his prayer life during that time. I mean, and you you can see, I think, when the child was born, that he was aware of God's presence the entire time because there was this debate going on about how to name the child. Elizabeth said his name is John. The women who were with, were with him saying, John, that's, you can't name him John. And Zechariah then spoke up and said, no, his name is John. And I think he, he was hearing from the Lord that entire time to have that assurance. And so even if God calls us... You know, I don't want to say it that way. Zechariah wasn't necessarily called to make a sacrifice. He sacrificed because he doubted the Lord. 
And sometimes God puts things on us like that. He's like, you're going to doubt me. I'm going to allow you to experience this consequence. But even in that, he will remain close. And that's what I want us to see about Zechariah. Even when we fall short of what God wants for us, he will remain near to us. And then we can look at Elizabeth. And she was called to make a different kind of sacrifice, right? Now, to call being pregnant a sacrifice might, might not be how we normally see that. It's a joy. She had joy to, to carry this child, but she was also advanced in years, and every mother knows that being pregnant is not always a joyful experience. There are a lot of physical sacrifices that you make. There are emotional things that you go through. It affects all of you in, in many ways. And so Zechariah was, be, or excuse me, Elizabeth was being called to offer her body to the Lord in this particular way to carry this child who would be used for God's purposes. And she received this with joy. She experienced the presence of God throughout her pregnancy. Um... I wrote down that she counted as a blessing, probably beyond just the fact that she was finally able to conceive of a child, but knowing that God had a special purpose for her son helped her prepare for offering her body as a sacrifice to the Lord. And it's not too hard to imagine how she experienced the nearness of God throughout the pregnancy as the child grew within her, and she considered her role as this child's mother. And you can see how she experienced joy and understood how the Lord was involved in this later when we read that Mary came to visit her. Uh, we read in, in Luke that, that her own child leaped within her womb as soon as Mary came near because he recognized his own unborn cousin who, who Mary had just conceived of. And she saw that as a sign from the Lord. And so, again, we see how... Elizabeth experienced the closeness of God as she offered her body to him for this purpose. Now let's go ahead and go back to Luke and read the account of Mary and her encounter with an angel. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 1 and pick it up in verse 39. Where it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste. I'm sorry. Nope, I jumped ahead. Sorry. Let me back up. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived and is in the sixth month with her, um, 
And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so Mary had a similar experience to Elizabeth. Being called to offer her body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Only in this case, it was even more of an encounter with the Lord. Where the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And that not only was a blessing and a joy, but also came with the additional burden of people's judgment. Assuming that there is more to the story that she was not telling. That it was not true that the Holy Spirit conceived this child. And yet she received and offered herself willingly to the Lord. She saw this as a blessing and an honor. Um, later in Luke, we, re- we read um, Mary's song of praise. Starting in verse 46, I'll just read part of this. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary just um, embodies that, that person of faith who is being called to somebody, something highly unusual, highly unexpected. I, can't, I don't think Mary ever imagined she would be told that she would conceive of a child by the Holy Spirit. And yet she received it openly and willingly and praised the Lord for it. She saw it as a great honor. And that is what God wants from us when he calls us to offer ourselves to him. He wants us to see that he is inviting us into his work and into his presence to not resist, to not doubt and complain, but to accept what he is calling us to and receive it with praise. And this is what Mary did. She received the Lord's call and gave herself to him to carry this special child. Now, I want to take a look at Joseph as well before we, we just stop and reflect on this for our own lives a little bit. And for Joseph's story, we need to turn to Matthew. Matthew tells us what was going on with Joseph at this time. So Matthew chapter 1. You can imagine the shock that he experienced as he learned that his soon-to-be wife was now pregnant with a child. And even, I'm sure, as she told him what happened... He had his doubts, again, somebody doubting. And the way that God responded just shows God's graciousness. Matthew chapter 1. Um, got to see my notes instead of hunting around. Starting in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took, this, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for, what, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So again, Joseph was being called to make a specific kind of sacrifice with his own life. To trust that what his um, wife and now the Holy Spirit was telling him was true. To, to trust that he could be the father of this Messiah. To put off his own connection with his wife until after this child was born. To just hold back until um, God's plans were fulfilled. How often does God ask us to wait and to not do what we want to do, not to do what we feel is right and just, but to wait for him to act and allow his plans to unfold before we can have what we want. That's the kind of sacrifice Joseph was being called to now, to wait until the Lord's work was done, and then he could step in and have what he so desired. This was a big ask, and sometimes God does ask us to big, do big things, and, and as he did with Joseph, he may reassure us. He sent Joseph a messenger. He can speak to us in ways to let us know that he is near. And this is the common thread that I hope we can see in all of this as we consider what God did as he began to announce the coming of his son and began to work amongst the people he was um, calling, to, calling into his service to prepare the way for Jesus, that God was with them in every moment. God may call us into things that we're not ready for. He may ask us to make sacrifices that feel wrong, that feel unjust sometimes, that feel like we're going down a path that everyone else is telling us we ought not to be going down. And that in itself can be a sacrifice to stand out from the crowd, to go the opposite direction of everyone else around you because you're confident that the Lord is calling you to it. These are the kinds of things that God asks of us as followers of Christ. When we talk about, when we think about offering our bodies as living sacrifices, these are the kinds of things we're talking about. It's not always going to feel comfortable. It's not always going to feel good. It's not always going to align with what we want to do with our lives. And yet, when he does that, God is always with us. He will be right there to provide for all of your needs. He will offer you the protection that you need. He will offer you the ongoing reassurance that he is your Lord, that he loves you, and he will be with you. And so today, as we consider the coming of Jesus I want to ask us just to not only give thanks and praise to the Lord for sending his son and for calling these people into his service, but to also reflect on what is God doing in our lives. Where do we find ourselves today when we go before the Lord and ask him to use us? What is he calling us to? Are we resisting? Are we doubting? Does it seem unusual and wrong? Those aren't necessarily signs that these are not what God's calling us to. We need to remain open to him. Let's ask God to give us the faith to follow wherever he leads and to trust and enjoy his presence. It's the presence of God that is so important in the Christmas season. It's a powerful reminder of how much God loves us. His desire is always to have fellowship with us. So let's rejoice when God calls us into his service.
to offer ourselves to him. Let's do so with faith, and let's do so with joy, because we know we'll experience him in some new ways. Let's pray and give thanks to the Lord for his presence and for his love, the hope and the joy that he gives us in every moment. And then we'll close with our, our final song. Lord God, we do thank you for your love. And I thank you that you want to show us your love in such powerful ways that you invite us to live our lives differently than what we planned. That you call us to, to act in new ways, to try serving you in ways that are unfamiliar and perhaps uncomfortable to us, Lord. We thank you, most of all, that you are always with us, that we can always depend on you. I pray that you help each one of us to know throughout this Christmas season that you are near, that you love us and desire fellowship with us. I pray for your blessing on this church family, Lord, as we continue to look to you throughout this Christmas season. You would bless us with a new knowledge of your presence and give us the faith and the courage to offer our bodies to you as living sacrifices, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.